This is Corkscrew Convos, another theme park podcast. My name is Chris. My name is DJ. And we're here today to talk about theme parks, roller coasters, barbecue, the theater, hollow scream at Busch Gardens, Williamsburg, and everything else under the sun in its time. But first, let's get this disclaimer out of the way. The views, opinions, and information expressed during the following presentation are solely those of the individuals involved and do not represent organizations affiliated with those individuals. We're here on kickoff Sunday, at least that's when we're recording this podcast, Chris. Football is back. I don't know oh, about yeah. you. I don't really watch the preseason. I kind of just tune in. You know, I, I barely even follow uh, my team. Uh, you know, we've been talking here for a while. We've been doing this for over a year. Dear listener, I'm originally from kind of the Kansas City area, so I've been a Chiefs fan basically my whole life. I remember Trent Green, Tony Gonzalez, Priest Holmes. Uh, could never really pull it out, though, pull, pull a win out. And, uh, you know, we've now had a Super Bowl, you know, like, what is it now, two years ago. We've been to the Super Bowl last year, didn't quite... Uh, get a victory there but today we played the browns and i didn't really know how it would go but a little interesting fact here to kind of bring this in and make this pertinent to corkscrew convos uh, one of the browns wide receivers uh schwartz is his last name he is actually a coaster enthusiast yeah that's great i think he's an ace member in everything <laughs> that's just awesome that's great he puts it in his twitter bio along with i think his profile picture is a character from death note that's a really good anime if you haven't seen it um so it's just awesome it's one of the characters from the anime like holding a football and then in his in his bio it's like play for the cleveland browns one other thing and coaster enthusiast <laughs> that's really fun i mean the, the eagles got their win today as well so i'm riding high to say the least and uh it's a good night for a podcast i gotta say it really is i'm in good spirits uh, i'm ready to see what we'll talk about today i know that today is probably going to be an episode that uh is really how do i say this focused on you chris and i don't mean this in a bad way but this is one of those episodes hmm. where when we go someplace, dear listener, we like to recap to you what we've experienced. Sometimes we've done live call-ins. Uh, we've done, honestly, just full shows before, a full episode at different locations. Um, Chris has been recently down to uh, Orlando. I went over to Glenwood Caverns. And now, Chris, you've been someplace that's a little spooky. Oh, yes. I am getting in the spooky mood a little early this year, at least early for me. I know that you've already had your decorations up for more than a week now. Isn't that right? Yeah, they've been up for more than a week. We've got a haunted sign outside, another boo sign right beside it in the yard. I've got my, uh, this is just a little uh, haunt tip for you all. If you're looking to make something spooky, just get some basic cheesecloth from Joann's or whatever fabric store or craft store like Michael's. It's close to you. Get some cheesecloth. Usually it's white. You can even spray paint it black or dye it any color you want. And it just makes things spooky. So I've got this cheesecloth on the front of my porch with some orange lights inside of it, some black cheesecloth. And I've got my normal lights up top um, and a couple jack-o'-lanterns outside, just fake ones. But I've also got a couple mums. So it's really fall at our house. And then our whole interior has been decorated since September 1. It might have even been wow. a little bit earlier than that. <laughs> it was earlier than that. It's like August 15th. Because okay. am I going to celebrate Labor Day? Like, what does that look like? No and, white shoes, apparently. I have no <laughs> idea why, but that's what people always say. <laughs> yeah, because, I, you know, it's like fall is here, so what am I going to do? I, I don't like generic fall decorations, and I don't like Thanksgiving decorations. So for me, it's like Halloween, at least outside, September 1st. 
all the way through November 1st. The decorations are down November 1st to re- be replaced with Christmas lights and Christmas decorations, everything for the holidays. And then, Chris, those stay up at least till January 1, if not till January 8th. I usually give it a full week. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't want to go into a huge tangent before we really dive into the main topic, but I got to say, you say you don't like fall decorations. I do like sort of the harvest aesthetic, and I think that's something that Silver Dollar City did very well in the recent past. Like, they've since gotten pumpkins in the city, but before they could say the word Halloween in the park, it felt like... I don't think I they think do. It was, a, <laughs> it was a cowboy and harvest festival. And I think mm. arts and crafts were somewhere in there, too, because they always are mm. at Silver Dollar City. And there were hay bales there, and I, there might have been scarecrows, something like that. Yeah, yes, there were scarecrows. Scarecrows, gourds, pumpkins. They always had and, those corn stalks. Yeah, and I go wild for that, because that's such a good time. And I mean, driving to and from work, I got some cornfields that I pass by, and some of those cornfields have already been harvested. So I am really getting in the mood, I guess, and and visiting Bush Gardens Williamsburg for the first time in more than a year just yesterday when I went there for the beginning of Howlow Scream at Bush Gardens Williamsburg. Uh, I think, I I think you time. have a career in voice acting outside <laughs> of your normal career in this podcast. I mean, I, I'll i say this. I I go to Lowe's, it seems like, every single week, at least once, and they've got pumpkins out. $8 a pumpkin, which seems super high priced. But, but if you buy a pumpkin now, it's yeah, going to rot if no there's a, a couple of hot days. The only real thing I buy, and I've already said it, are mums, and I keep them watered. And then I might buy... Like you said, those harvested corn stalks to put up um, because they're pretty much already harvested. I mean, they're basically dead, so I just keep those up. Well, I mean, I'm going to indulge my curiosity for a moment. I'm going to go on a little bit of a tangent before we talk about Bush Gardens Williamsburg. I'm hoping that the people will accept this because I think it's an amusing anecdote about how I live my life. And... Last September or October, I was in the hardware store, and they had some decorations up there, and they had a broom. It was sort of like, not like a broom that you could clean something with. It was In that way, it was useless, but it was a, a decorative broom that was scented, and it apparently was a very strong scent, because I know some people that uh, I don't like really strong scents, because they're like, oh, I can't even breathe in here if there's something that smells very strong in the room. But I got this broom, and it was pumpkin spice scented, Hmm. and I liked it, so Hmm. I bought it, and then I put it in my car, and I forgot about it, because I, my nose lost the ability to smell pumpkin spice after it was in there for like a day or two because I had gotten so used to it that I would maybe drive to work and it'd be in my trunk and it would just, I wouldn't smell it at all. I could hold it up to my nose and I, it smells like nothing to me. It's like Westworld when the, the host sees something that they're not supposed to see. They said, that doesn't look like anything to me. For me, you would hold the pumpkin spice broom up to my nose and I would say, that doesn't smell like anything to me. <laughs> and I broke my nose in that way. And and I only realized that I still had it in my car this, uh, I guess, a year ago now when someone would get in my car and they would start choking. And I'd say, what's wrong? What's happening? And it's that pumpkin spice smell. And I said, what? I don't smell <laughs> anything at all. 
<laughs> you were desensitized to it. I do, and there's like some evolutionary advantage to it. I have looked it up on the internet and said, why do novel smells we smell, but other smells that are consistently there, we don't keep smelling them to the same intensity. And, and there is some evolutionary advantage to that, but in, in my case, it made me miss out on that pumpkin spice smell that I love so much. So, do you, do I mean, you like the taste as well? Because I'm all about at least trying pumpkin spice anything. Yeah, I'll do the pumpkin spice cold brew at the Ooh. luxury deluxe coffee restaurant, coffee store that everybody knows what I'm talking about mm. without me even saying it. Yeah, well, I Starbucks. like it. Oh, I was going to say Dunkin'. I think okay. I think Duncan's pumpkin spice things are superior, but that's just really? one that's one man's opinion. Yes, I think because okay. it's stronger, which is, some people are like, "Ooh, no way!" Um, but I just I like it better. I, I love their pumpkin spice latte over ice. It's probably my favorite drink ever, specifically from Duncan. And then we even have an ice cream chain around where I live called Andy's, where uh, during this time of the year, well, not yet, maybe in a few days. You can get a pumpkin pie concrete where it's literally a concrete of, of ice cream, of custard, and they just dump a whole slice of pumpkin pie into it. Wow. And just That's, blend it up. <laughs> it's that so sounds good. like something. <laughs> it's so good. Well, I guess if you're listening by now, you do know that the cat is out of the bag. We're going to be talking. Well, not just any cat. Uh, the black cat. Oh, yeah, the black cat. You know, I the cat is out of the bag. We are talking for most of this episode about my visit to Bush Gardens Williamsburg Hollow Scream event, where they return to Hollow Scream for the first time since 2019 that they're having this full event. And so we're going to talk about what I saw, what I ate, what I drank, what I encountered. Did I scream? Was I scared? And uh, we, these questions will be answered, but before we do that... I figure there's one more opportunity to delay what we're going to be talking about by talking just briefly, just briefly touching, briefly covering what we have talked about most recently on the podcast. We've had a lot of great episodes to close out the summer as we go past the dog days into the late summer. It's beginning to cool. There's a chill running through the air. And we've had a continuation of episodes that were very fun to record, to edit, and to listen to. Yes, uh, we just documented the Golden Ticket Awards that happened, and that was a really special episode, um, mainly because it's something that we had done previously with kind of a coaster poll, but this was with the Amusement Today Golden Ticket Awards. Essentially, if you go back, um, you can basically choose your own adventure. So you can be on the DJ path where you know uh, who won what, or you can be on the Chris path where you don't know who won what. So if you don't know who won anything for the golden tickets, you'd go in as Chris. As Chris attempts to guess uh, best park, best water park, best roller coaster, best water slide, all the way down to like what best installation or something like that. There were some very yeah. obscure <laughs> rewards in there. Yeah, yeah, that was a so that was a great episode, and we we Twitch streamed that one too. We decided to do that, so be sure to go back and listen to that. Yet we also recently talked with Andrew Stilwell from the Coaster 101 podcast, where we ranked between the three of us our top BNM roller coasters between the different categories. And we had a lot of fun with that. Of course, Andrew went first, and right off the board was Fury 325 over at Carowinds. So I guess the rest was a foregone conclusion. But that was a really fun episode to have. 
Yeah, that was really a snake-style draft with B&M coasters. And I want to provide you a little bit of update on B&M coasters real quick, if you don't mind, Chris. Oh, sure. Go ahead. This was something I touched on when we were talking about Universal Studios Beijing opening, and we looked at Decepticoaster. And I gave you a question. Um, it was really more of a rhetorical question, but we thought about it for a, for a little bit. I said, is this essentially Hulk the exact same ride, just different colors? Do you remember that question? I do. Do you have a different answer now? So um, one of these YouTube users, um, one of these accounts, I believe her name is Maya, M-I-Y-A. Um, they do essentially all of these POVs specifically in China uh, because there's so many roller coasters in and around China that we just haven't got to and we don't know much about. Um, they posted a POV of the ride um, and they definitely redid a lot of the transitions and things i could tell a difference for instance the you know on hulk you go through the launch and you have that first barrel roll and it it's very you know whippy it snaps quick and then you go down the first drop they've really elongated it and and made it essentially what i would say brought it to modern day coaster standards if that makes sense which is crazy because we're talking about b&m right um but you can tell a difference between the old and new b&ms and so you can definitely see in that video um, the difference there of the elements and, and how s just smoother they're designed. That's very interesting because I guess it's sort of a unique situation where you have this incredibly successful design in the Incredible Hulk coaster, and then 20 years later, they go back and they say, all right, let's do another one. And they say, uh, well, whoever says something like, okay, yeah, control C, control V. And they say, no, let's make a few changes. Let's make a few adjustments. And that is the real world example of that. So that's very interesting to see. I'm going to have to watch that video. I think what really sticks out when you do watch it, Chris, is I think it's after the first vertical loop, there's like a overbank turn and then it turns around into this corkscrew. And if you look at Hulk, it looks like kind of this small corkscrew into a drop, you know, it looks like three different elements. Now it's one giant corkscrew that goes like perfectly into the drop. Okay. I like the sound of that. Goodness yeah. me. I wonder if there's any future for this latest generation of the incredible Hulk design. I mean, they already rebuilt the Hulk in Orlando, but who knows? Maybe down the line, there could be some room for adjusted improvements there. So we're going to have to wait and see for that. But we have also had another fun episode recently talking with Dwayne, the creator and owner of the Roller Coaster Database. That's rcdb.com. Dwayne talked with us about some of his favorite things, some of uh, the great fun that he's had through the decades, and, of course, his work on the, I guess, is it the preeminent source of roller coaster information out there? I think it really is, because outside of that, I mean, you're just listening to the parks and, and what they say, and that's all fine and well, but he really brings it all into one location. Uh, one thing I love about that site, too, is it loads so dang quick. Oh, it's yeah. just such a fast site. It's very responsive, and I really thought it was interesting to hear about what he thinks makes a good coaster in his mind, and we asked him some other cool questions, I thought, like, what defunct coaster would he like to get on, and what's one country he's really wanting to get to that's very coaster-heavy or amusement park-heavy. Yeah, that was a really fun episode. So that's just a, a tiny taste, dear listener, of all of the interesting episodes, the great people that we've spoken with, and the things that they've told us, and the fun that we've had 
on the podcast feed. So if you're new to Corkscrew Convos, welcome. Thanks for stopping by. Go ahead, take a look around, take a listen, and we hope you enjoy yourself. And I would say as well, keep listening because, um, you know, we don't like to... Maybe we should start this as a strategy. I don't know what you think, but maybe we should start teasing our episodes and our guests. And I won't do it here, but we've got, I think, three guests either lined up or already recorded that are really special. Um, I think they're all going to do a great job. And if they've already been on the show, um, the same there. Um, It's really just... They're good. It's going to be great. Yeah, it's quite a lineup. So if you're not already following the show, go ahead, uh, demolish that follow button. Is that what the kids say these days? <laughs> something, yeah, something about click on it furiously. All right. Smash. Smash that like button. Smash that follow button. So if you go ahead and do that to that button, we will go ahead and talk about Bush Gardens Williamsburg and the return of Howlow Scream. Now, I'm curious on this, Chris. Do you know how far on the, at the back of your head this event goes back? I mean, we've talked about it really since the very first episode of Corkscrew Convos. Uh, that's even before we had a name for Corkscrew Convos, when we just called it another roller coaster podcast. Um, is there a lot of history with this, and, and what does that look like? If I'm not mistaken, Hollow Scream began in Bush Gardens... In 1999, I'm pretty sure. So they celebrated their 20th anniversary in 2019. And so this is the most recent iteration of the event. It's definitely changed a lot since then. Um, It is an event driven by uh, the mazes. They have five of those mazes. They have some scare zones. And then they have a lot of uh, shows and food and drink options, too, that make it a new experience for members and pass holders to return to the park in the fall and enjoy all of these unique offerings. And for you listening, dear listener, uh, you know, there's two different things here when you think of a haunt event. You think of your traditional haunted house you might have in your city where it's one big building, it takes 30 or 40 minutes. A lot of these parks will have these walkthroughs or open areas that could take either 10 to 15 minutes in the form of a maze, or it's just a large open area, a huge midway, imagine, with lots of fog and temporary prop set up for folks to jump out at you and scare you. That's what we mean by a scare zone. Right. And this was my first time returning to Hollow Scream at Busch Gardens Williamsburg since 2014. So that was seven years ago that I had last been to this Halloween event in Williamsburg. And it was a big, it was a big deal for me to return to the park. And I I guess kind of Kinda, if I'm being honest, I I didn't know what exactly to expect in 2021. Now, and I don't want to put any bad light to these events by any means, because by far, any park I go to, if I I have free reign to choose when I want to go, it's always during fall or Halloween spooky time. Um, But they do have a reputation for being somewhat more busy than the normal season, right? It's not like going to a park on a Wednesday in May. Right. It's uh, it's definitely... There are always weekends, at least. That's yeah, one thing. Because for a lot of the regional parks in the United States, like Busch Gardens, Williamsburg, uh, at this time of year, they're only open on the weekends, Friday evenings, and then Saturday and Sunday as well. And a lot of the other parks follow that um, form of schedule, too. So... When there's fewer times during the the point in the year for people to go and they have to go all at the same time, 
it definitely makes for a busier time. And then you throw on the popularity of the spooky stuff, the scary stuff, and that's going to bring in even more people. So uh, that also held true. I mean, especially for, I think this was the first Saturday of the 2021 Hollow Scream event in Bush Gardens. And it was a, a decent day. I mean, there were some people there, but it wasn't packed to the gills. But uh, as the darkness fell, the crowd levels rose. Uh, forgive me the parallel structure there. But uh, <laughs> but because of that also, they it's interesting. And I was going to talk about this later on in the episode, but I think it's a good opportunity to bring it up here. Um, a lot of regional parks are encountering difficult workforce management, to say the least. It's hard to staff all the positions that they had staffed in previous years and to ramp up to an event that is very labor-intensive like Hollow Scream and filling the mazes, filling the scare zones, filling every snack and food and beverage kiosk at the park. It takes a lot of people. And so I was interested to see that while some shops and restaurants and things were closed uh, through the majority of the day, when six o'clock came around and the people were pouring in from the parking lot and it was getting a lot more crowded, at least in the, the total crowd level uh, at the park, they did open these stores, which increased the square footage of the pathways and they um, increased the number of food and beverage locations open as well. And that did have a noticeable effect, uh, at least during Hollow Scream 2. So that was very interesting for me to notice. Yeah, I can say, drawing back to, you know, this is obviously years ago, um, and we actually talk about this, I think it was our very first podcast or one of our very first ones, my experience uh, scaring in a park. And I will tell you that, at least back in the day, People that were scaring people, people that were scare actors, uh, there was a large amount that would be from, one, the park's water park a lot of the times. There would be different hmm. lifeguards. It was additional opportunity for them to work once Labor Day had hit. Um, and you would see, you know, different, for instance, water slide or area managers becoming area managers of a haunt. But then also there was a huge influx of, like, um, EMTs, uh, police officers, firefighters, even teachers that would do it because their schedules for some of them are pretty set in stone and it's a great way to get extra money and by no means is scaring easy, but it is a very cool way to make money in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And so I know that they are pulling usually from those sources and things are so much different now, but that's usually who you would see. I mean, mostly everybody that was scaring seemed to be there when I was doing it because they legitimately just loved to do it. They wanted to make people scream and this was a legal way to do that. There's that, but it's just like, you know, I really love acting and it's really, it's acting, you know, now if you're in a zombie house, maybe not, but any other house, there's an acting element to it. You develop a character, a good scare actor is an actor. They're not someone just screaming, ah, for six to eight hours. You just can't do that. And that brings another point too. another reason why these parks are so popular during this time. This is a chance to ride your favorite rides in the dark with many parks being open later than they would even be open in the summer. Yeah. In a regular operating schedule, you might have lots of nine or 10 o'clock closes with maybe a midnight here and there. But these haunt events usually almost always go till midnight, sometimes even one. And I think the Orlando events even go till two in the morning sometimes. <laughs> that is a, a late night slash an early morning as and for an event that intense that's something big 
And the park may have been open uh, since 11 in the morning sometimes. Mm. Yeah, so it was a, a good time I had. I mean, TLDR, I had a good time. All right, let's uh, pack up the show. No. TLDL, <laughs> too long, didn't listen. Too, too long, didn't listen. Okay, sorry about that. That's what. <laughs> but yes, I had a good time. I took a ton of photographs. They will be appearing on our socials throughout the week and beyond. Uh, just a quick reminder, we are Corkscrew Convos on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, stuff like that. So it was, uh, yep. if you're interested in seeing what the event looked like, Go ahead, follow us on those socials, and you'll have a great opportunity to see some photographs that I took when I was there. And you used your fancy DSLR, right? Yeah, I recently came into possession of like a, a 12-year-old DSLR camera with uh, not a lot of bells and whistles, but it got the job done. And it it was definitely a noticeable difference from taking pictures on my phone. So I already don't know a ton about photography, but I'm learning. And this camera is an opportunity to enhance the quality of the content that we bring to Instagram and the other uh, social channels here at Corkscrew Convos. All the socials, as the kid would, the kids would say. So, let's jump into Hallow Scream here, and this is also an event, right? That's at all of the Bush Gardens parks. Well, the two, I'd well, say yeah. all of them. And then also, is it all of the SeaWorld parks now, or is it still select SeaWorld parks? As of this year, it is at all of the SeaWorld parks, I'm pretty sure. The only one I'm hesitant about would be SeaWorld San Diego, but right. uh, I don't know offhand what the, stat the status of that is. But for the first time this year, 2021, Hollow Scream is coming to SeaWorld Orlando, and we've briefly talked about what the offerings look like for that uh, a couple of episodes back, but... That looks like a fun event. Uh, I've already been to Hollow Scream at Williamsburg. I can say definitively that that was a fun event. So they are clearly investing in Spooky as part of SeaWorld Parks Entertainment. Should we get our barbecue talk out of the way? I mean, just kind of tell me what and how your food was at Bush Gardens. I mean, I'm assuming you went to Trapper Smokehouse. I know that's one of your favorite places. I mean, even on my first and only visit, you said that's something you have to do while you're there. <laughs> You know, it was, uh, that was a very challenging point in the day for me. It was one of the first things I did, uh, was head over to Trapper's Smokehouse for when it opened. And DJ, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm going to be very honest with you. I was concerned. Be honest with the listeners. Yes. I mean, I have to. I was very concerned about oh. if I went to Trapper's again. I hadn't eaten at Trapper's Smokehouse in years, and... Since then, I have gotten a smoker. I have consumed a lot of smoked meats since then because I've learned about how to prepare ribs and brisket and all of that sort of thing. So I know so much more about barbecue. And I would, I, so I was thinking in my concern, am I going to just pick apart what the barbecue experience here is? Am I going to be able to enjoy it? Am I going to turn my analytical mind off if I go and I get the smokehouse sampler and I'm like, oh, okay, that brisket broke apart instead of bending. I mean, short, long story short, it was great and I had nothing to be concerned about. I got the smokehouse sampler, which was about a $20 plate. I had smoked chicken, uh, that quarter of it with the uh, drumstick and the thigh I got a few slices of brisket. It was decently moist, and it did bend instead of breaking. 
Uh, I got a couple of baby back ribs that they were slicing right in front of us. They plopped it on the plate and handed it to us, and that's the greatest thing ever. Then I got some waffle fries, a tangy barbecue sauce, and a roll. So really, uh, this, I mean, Trapper Smokehouse at Bush Gardens of Williamsburg, that was a formative point in my theme park journey, in my barbecue journey. Whenever I would go to Bush Gardens Williamsburg when I was younger, I'd always go to the smokehouse. And I'm happy to say that that has returned to being something that I've done. I mean, I'd been, I hadn't been to Trapper's Smokehouse in years, and it was like I had never left. I guess as much as you can never leave a smokehouse. But uh, I, I don't know, know exactly if I'm making sense here, but what I'm trying to say is the barbecue was still good, and it held up to my scrutiny. Now tell me about it, Trappers. Um, so this is real smoking of barbecue. This isn't injecting something with liquid smoke. No, they smoke it there. Uh, they specifically said the brisket is smoked for 14 hours uh, before it makes its way over to the, the, the restaurant portion itself. And the ribs are smoked, I think they said three to four hours, which is... Um, different for ribs like my ribs typically take six hours at most yeah. uh, so they're probably cooking at a little higher temperature than what is prime for uh, ribs but when you're an industrial operation like that i can understand it sure and you know their equipment is probably top notch too now that sounds incredible um some key points i was looking in there for as a kansas Cityan who loves barbecue i'm looking for the brisket that's not just cracking basically that's yeah. not just solid like cardboard so i like that now i, I do want to quickly touch on the tangy sauce is this a vinegar based sauce i'm more of a spicy sauce person it was not vinegar based i wouldn't quite call it north carolina style like that mm. uh the closest thing i would i mean it wasn't really a sauce that could be directed to any specific region of okay. american barbecue it was tangy it was sweet and that is what it was. Got the job done. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And besides Trapper Smokehouse, um, any other food that you ate while you were there? Oh, sure. Of course. <laughs> a little later in the day, I went to something that I think opened for the first time at Bush Gardens in 2019, if I'm not mistaken. This is Les Frites, the uh, loaded fry location in the French the France Hamlet of Bush Gardens, and they have lots of different kinds of loaded fries that you can get with poutine on them, with barbecue. Uh, but I got the Irish fries. With had they were the thick cut fries, almost similar to Five Guys or Wingstop or something like mm. that, or even the the fresh cut fries at Cedar Point. But then they had shredded cheddar on it, sour cream, and then crumbled thick cut bacon. Like, it wasn't crispy if you had the whole bacon. This was bacon that was really voluminous. It was thick. And then they finished it off with some chives. So that was of course. sort of like a loaded baked potato, but in fry form. <laughs> and it was really good. So were you actually here all day, pretty much? Yes, I got there shortly after opening, and I left pretty much at close. I tried to be a little bit of traffic on the way out. That did wow. not happen. Um <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there were a ton of people there in the evening, so of course it got very busy to get out of the park there too. Uh, but I spent a lot of time there, and it was a good thing the food was good, because uh, otherwise I would have been pretty hungry. 
Some of those haunt days at any of these parks are just so long. So hats off to you for making the most of your time. Then again, you haven't been there in a very long time. So yeah. that helped too. Yeah, I had to drink it all in again as I, I hadn't done so in a while. And, and speaking of drinking, actually, I had a delicious beer, DJ. And I know that, I mean, some podcasts out there, uh, they revolve around what you're drinking that day or something like that because that's an entire subculture that I am not entirely familiar with and I don't necessarily feel like a member of always but I had a delicious beer DJ in the Brauhaus Craft Beer Room in Dustfest House this was the O'Connor Ovana Sour Beer this was my first time having a sour it had pineapple, strawberry and guava in it it was from Norfolk, Virginia, so it was relatively local. Mm-hmm. And, oh my goodness, DJ, it was so good. I wish I could have gone back and gotten another cup, but I didn't. Those are my favorite, sours and, and, and those, those types of beers. Maybe not my favorite, but definitely top three material, really, of any kind. I'll, I'll try it, and usually it's a good thing. Do they still do the free beer in the craft beer room, or is that, is that inside of the Fest House? It's inside the Fest House. I'm not sure what promotions they had going on because I know they did have a beer fest uh, shortly before Hollow Scream began. It was sort of a shoulder event that they were running, I'm pretty sure. Uh, I'm not sure if that was for members. Uh, I am not a, a past member sure. at this point. Uh, but they do generally, I do often see advertisements for members get a free beer today or something yeah. like that. At least when we were there, and that was a few years ago. But it was it was literally just, hey, there's the free beer of the day. And it was a small, I don't know, maybe four ounce, five ounce of Coors Light. Like a very a Coors cheap Light? beer. Yeah, it was Coors Light, okay, I'm pretty well, sure. Okay, well, it's free. I mean... <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, okay, I'm not going to argue with it because it's free. And you would have, I think you could get up to two. But there was definitely, at least with that, and of course this was years ago... Well, not too long ago, 2018, but um, I think they just, you had a card and you could get two of them, but you had to come back for the second one. It was strange, but I was more of like, okay, waiting for my timeshare presentation or something because (laughs) it was free. But no, Mm -hmm. you just walk through the line and ID, cool, here you go. So that's what I ate and drank at Bush Gardens. Uh, there is a, a lot of other great restaurants out there, too, that I didn't get to. So next time I go, I'm probably going to make an effort to at least visit another restaurant that I haven't been to in a while. And then Trapper Smokehouse again. I can't not go to Trapper's if I'm at Williamsburg. So there. You got to go. And and that being said, there's other things you got to go to or you have to go to i know you're very passionate about this chris Mm -hmm. that's the show availability the shows that are showing uh, at different parks and i know that you're very passionate about some of these shows one in particular and i won't spoil it for you. i'll let you talk about it but when Mm -hmm. we did our podcast talking about the offerings that hollow scream at SeaWorld orlando was going to have um, you got very excited and so i know that you're very passionate about these shows yes i mean when you think of the seasonal events that are done at Bush Gardens Williamsburg in particular, the entertainment department goes ham to use a, the middle school vernacular. They go ham when 
Do you know what I'm saying, DJ, when I say they go I ham? I know exactly what you're okay, saying. Okay, good. <laughs> they go ham. I'm they... just thinking of myself in college saying that. So I'm like, no, oh, middle schools are no, saying it. Cool. It's fine. It's fine. Cool. <laughs> but the, the shows are very high production quality, an incredible cast, usually pretty big too, and very impressive. So much so that the shows at Hollow Scream, at least in the past as well, they're sort of like attractions on their own, where if you want to get a really good seat, you're going to have to show up maybe at least 30 minutes early. Um, but that's not very difficult if you're talking about like the Fest House and you go and you get some food or drink there and then you settle in right in front of the stage. That's what I mean. It's going to take uh, some time and some planning if you really want to maximize the, the show time there. Now for you, uh, a good seat... What does that look like? For me, a good seat at, at a theater is one that's obviously in the middle, but it's also far back. It's far back enough to where I can see the entire stage without having to really gaze in a different direction too much. How do you feel about that? Well, if I am going to like a, a high school production or Broadway or something like that, I won't try to get up close in person, partially because those are the most expensive seats, but Otherwise, because I do want to be able to take in the whole picture. Um, but I, I can say with the shows at Busch Gardens, Williamsburg and other theme parks, um, they're really good shows and they're really fun art, but it doesn't require such a discerning effort to consume the media. I mean, you get up there. There's going to be bright lights and people singing and dancing, and you don't really have to uh, be, let's see, be specific, be um, purposeful. That's what I'm looking for. Mm, be purposeful yeah. with how you prepare to consume it. It's going to happen, and you're going to be there too, and it's going to be a good time, at least at Busch Gardens, Williamsburg, and some other theme parks as well. So I try to get... Up close, maybe to the side a little bit too, so I can get a maybe a, a unique view compared to where I would usually sit. And like for example, the Skeletones, I saw that show twice yesterday. That's a new show in Il Teatro di San Marco, which is the venue next to Marco Polo's uh, marketplace in Italy. I know where that is. Yeah, yeah. Um, this was a new show at Hollis Scream this year. There were four instrumentalists. There was a sousaphone, a trumpet, a trombone, and a baritone saxophone. Now, listening to that mixture of four instruments, three of them are very deep. They're very low. I, I, I can already get a picture of what this is, and this is going to be very specific, but this sounds almost exactly like the band in the Nightmare Before Christmas that plays in the alley. Oh. That same sort of vibe that plays Sally's theme. Na, 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 na. But a lot of the, lot of the instruments are very, like you said, low or almost guttural sounding. Yes, yes. So they did have a really dark, warm sound that they created as a group, and they sounded great together. And then on, in addition to those, they had two vocalists, a young man and a young woman, whose voices blended very well together as well. And there was some choreography between the instruments and the singers as well, where they would go out and, and form different... Um, formations there and they'd, there'd be some dialogue and some witty repartee of course going between everybody um and interesting to note because this was the first weekend from the first time that i saw it to the second time that i saw it 
the dialogue between the different numbers had changed. So oh. they're either still figuring it out, feeling out how the show is going to flow, or they're just having fun with it. And it could be both, really, too. So uh, that was fun to notice as well. What kind of songs were they playing? Were these essentially haunted style songs or Halloween songs? Yeah, it was a uh, spooky song, really. Like, uh, spooky songs. I think the first one was I Always Feel Like Somebody's Watching Me. Um, yes. And then there was, of course, Superstition by Stevie Wonder. Uh, there was a medley of television themes like Casper the Friendly Ghost. And then the Addams Family, of course, was really big. Uh, and so it was show, it was episode it was songs like that, um, and it was a, a fun show. It wasn't trying to be more than it was. It was a review, really, <laughs> of just going out and having some fun songs, and we might tell some jokes uh, uh, along the way here. Like when they were introducing the instrumentalists, they were each wearing a half skull over their head, almost like they were the Lord of Bones from Game of Thrones, oh, <laughs> to speak your language. Okay, yes. Um, and they would introduce one of them and say, this is Toothless, then this is Snaggletooth, this is something, something, something. And they'd go to the trumpet player, and this is Susan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. And, so, and that would be funny, too. But, like, again, they had different names on the second time I saw that show that day. So they, they were changing things out, feeling it out like that to see... Maybe what gets the biggest laugh here? I don't see. I don't see how they could beat the Susan line, but uh, they were testing it out, testing out different things there. So it has a little bit of rewatchability too there. So some nice fun songs, but we're not going to get Fantasia's "Night on Bald Mountain." No, okay, I, I, not, that's okay. I mean, not in that show. I mean, uh, the other show, "Phantoms of the Fest House," which was another Ooh. new show this year. Uh, it was a large cast. I mean, there were six people in Skeletones, and that might have, if this show had happened in past years, maybe it would have been staged differently or in a, a different venue or that sort of thing. But I can see where the the, the production money went. <laughs> it went to Phantoms of the Fest House because that was a huge show in already a very large venue. And they had a, an entire instrumental ensemble as well with guitarists, um, saxophone players, keyboardists, percussionists, all these people around the stage too. And it was a singing competition. That was the... Um, the, the framing device for all the songs. There were these monsters and they were going to each sing their song and at the end we'd cheer for the best and they'd be crowned the, the leader or whatever. Uh, it was, a, I mean, that premise is okay. <laughs> it got the job it's the done. Ma it's the mask Singer, essentially. Yeah. In a way. I'd put it you ahead know, of the mask Singer. <laughs> okay. Yeah, but, I can't stand that show. Um but it was a fun show, like I said. Um, it wasn't Night Beats, which was a um, the show that had occupied that stage in the Fest House in 2014. Uh, but it was still a very fun and high-energy show with a lot of modern songs, too. Like, I think one of the people was... Uh, her name was Seance. And, hey. <laughs> and uh, okay. I think it was uh, Crazy in Love was her song. And, and that was really fun, too. And they had uh, Taylor's... I couldn't exactly hear what her name, but it was either Taylor's Witch, 
Taylor, something like that. It was a, a Taylor Swift-esque character who was uh, singing one of her more recent songs as well. Uh, and then there was a guy singing a Jonas Brothers song to uh, Sucker, I think it was. And so it's modern songs like that, but it was still a, a very fun time too. And I also saw that show twice because it was so enjoyable and I wanted to really take it all in and see it up close and personal from one side of the stage and then... Uh, the next show from the other side, because in the Fest House, this is in the middle of a very large building. So it's a stage so that you can see it and have um, a good time watching it from both sides of it. But um, you're going to have to see it twice if you want to really get a, a full idea of what the show is being Phantoms of the Fest House. And for you, dear listener, if you haven't been to the, the park Whereas Skeletons is, it's kind of an open air theater yeah. with traditional style. Whereas Fest House is basically an a, a, a square essentially. You've got people on either side and more of these bench style picnic table um, sort of seats where some people could even be eating beside you, right? Yeah, yeah. And so those so were, just different. Yeah, those were the two shows that were open um, during Hollow Scream yesterday. Uh, this is when. The listener might be saying, hey, but what about Monster Stomp on Ripper Row? The the show that you have called the greatest theme park show. Well, not the greatest, but one of the greatest theme park shows ever. I was say, that's, that's Celtic Fire. Yeah, that's Celtic Fire. But, uh, yeah, you listener, you're right. Um, I was looking forward to hopefully seeing Monster Stomp on Ripper Row, but the night before, I was trying to look up the show times, and I realized, wait, where's Monster Stomp? What's going on? Oh, no. Oh, no. And so I looked at the website, and Monster Stomp on Ripper Row is returning to Hollow Scream this year, but it opens on October 1st. Oh, so it's barely even going to run. Well, it's going to have a, a month of a run, and it was disappointing because it's such a great show. Uh, I saw it a ton of times in 2014 because I was like, wow, this is such a fun, high-energy show with so many different gags, like uh, when they would each wear a, a black morph suit or something like that, but they, there would be <laughs> skeleton bones on the suit so that when they turned out the lights and they turned on the black lights, it would be uh, a bunch of skeletons dancing, and then they would have different uh, moments through there. And there was a, a credible percussion scene where it'd be the four undertakers um, with knives on a casket uh, just uh, doing all these fancy percussion tricks, too. Uh, and, and so I look forward to the return of that show, and I hope to see it when it does open in October. But I did not see it yesterday. I'm really disappointed that you didn't get to see it because I was you know, curious what your thoughts would be on it. I know you were very excited. There was hype around it, and I'm sorry that you couldn't see it. Hopefully you'll see it soon. Maybe you'll, uh, I don't know, are you planning on going back? I probably will go back. I have no idea when yet, but yeah. when I finally get back into the Globe Theater and and I hear the, the gentle clarinet flare that begins the uh, opening track of Monster Stomp, <laughs> I might even tear up a little bit. I don't know. <laughs> so there's nothing playing in the theater that houses Celtic Fire then? Uh, there is not. In okay. the Irish Hamlet Killarney, that is sort of party headquarters for oh. Hollow Scream. It's not a scare zone in there, as it might have been in years past. 
it is whole it is home to Jack, who is the, for lack of a better word, the icon of Hollow Scream at Bush Gardens Williamsburg. It's like the fourth character named Jack that is an icon for something <laughs> Halloweenish. Yeah, but he is a sort of like a, a pumpkin character and is a, a very convincing mask that is this Jack character where it's a pumpkin but with a real face and that's amusing oh. and it's sort of like they have yeah. disco music and, and different drinks in Ireland but there was not a show in the Abbey Stone Theater this year and um, there used to be like in 2014 there was a, a long running show called Fiends which was a sort of like a, a pop culture show where they would have different funny moments worked into the uh, existing core story um, it was the evil scientist and Igor, and then there would be different characters that come around for a song, uh, like a, a werewolf singing uh, Crazy Like the Wolf, something like that. Uh, the sea monster coming out and saying People Are Strange by the Doors. Um, and of course, some, um, shall we say, nurses uh, were also a part yeah. of the show as well. Uh, so that was a really fun show, and it was always very popular. Uh, but that is not a part of Hollow Scream this year. I, um, you know, and this is for you too, dear listener. If you haven't been to these events, you know, I, I I'm going to say always. I don't even want to say almost always. I feel like always they are late night events, and they are not aimed towards children. Usually, the warning or disclaimer is 13, 14, sometimes sixteen years old right. as who should be going to these things, but. Uh, if I could quickly tell you a little memory of mine, um, when I was, um, I used to be a little confession. I used to really be into magic tricks. I did magic shows. Even I was getting paid to do magic shows when I was all the way up to I think like a junior in high school. Um, but in those early days, there was a show worlds of fun had during their haunt event. It was called, um, slash or slashed or something like that. Picture a like heavy metal, hardcore magic show. So you would have, you know, these magic tricks that would normally be, oh my gosh, like we cut the person in half when we put them together again. It would be the opposite where they would make it seem like they actually cut a person in half, like they would get an extra out of the audience posing as an audience member and just cut them in half and be like, uh-oh, and then scoot the prop off and then go to another <laughs> trick. I feel wow. like that sort of show would do very well at these events, and I'm always hoping to know about one. Um, in the future, it, but oh well. I like how you think. I mean, <laughs> that'd be pretty fun to have like a is the character, the, the magician, an anti-hero in that way, or is he a villain? Is he a hero? What is he, DJ? Yeah, it's kind of just like this, you know, blah, 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 Abra Mr. Abracadabra, let's say, you know, some, some play on words with a haunt element or something. You know, his He's been banned in 30 different cities. Now you, now's your chance to see his magic show and just kind of that sort of thing. Of course, the assistants are like nurses or whatever. And like, it's just like, it's very gory too. Like typically at a magic show, you know, again, someone gets separated. Oh, there's two pieces of their body. Bring them back together. There you go. Whereas this, there's fake blood shooting from the saw, like, there's even like oh. a blood and guts element. Yeah, the, I remember there even being a, a guillotine part where, again, they pick people in air quotes. Like these are just people part of the show, but they look like normal audience members and they put them on a guillotine and cut their head off and pull out the fake head, you know, stuff like that. Okay, well, 
I wonder, is there a planet park in our future where we put together a Halloween event? Or no, we can't do that because we're about to do that in real life sometime and we can't give away all our secrets <laughs> to the internet. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, there's one concept Chris and I have had for a long time. If we ever get the money and the 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 time and the resources and we're ever living in the same city for a haunted house, we have... I think what is like one of the best themes I've ever heard, but yeah. maybe someday <laughs> we can't give too much information. Exactly. But now that we're into that sort of thing, let's talk about some of the scares that were at um, Hallow Scream this year. There's some really interesting names of some of these. And again, there's both mazes where it's a predetermined path. You're walking through, uh, you're meant to see things. And then those big open scare zones with lots of fog and lights do you know if, uh, at least at what you experienced, maybe it was different? Is it like a conga line style thing at Universal where they're just letting people in? Or is it, okay, how many is in your group? Four? Okay, you can go. And then they wait for the first scare. Okay, five? Okay, go. Well, it's uh, it's pretty tough because it can be a mixture of it. If, okay. if operations yeah. had their way, like the haunt operations, I know that they would, of course, have every party properly positioned throughout the house so that they could get every single scare triggered uh, correctly for them. But people move at different paces. And sometimes people catch up to other people. There might be a traffic jam at one point if an especially hysterical guest gets really <laughs> backed up and you can't move yes. them through. And then, and then there they go. So it was a mixture of that definitely too. And I won't say a ton about the uh, mazes themselves, because I don't want to spoil it. I know we are still early on in the event, and if someone's listening and they're going to go, I don't want to spoil any specific gag or scare or something like that. Yeah, but that's I'll, the hard part with any haunt review. It's yeah. like, how deep do you want to go? Because you don't want to spoil a scare, right? Yeah, I'll say the, they had three new mazes this year. Which of the Woods, which was over behind for Bolton, uh, sort of where they first built... Uh, I think it was 2014 or 2015 where they built that um, maze in the woods over by Verbolton, uh, which was a, a pretty big investment to put a maze structure built from scratch in the woods for which of the woods. And well, now, for... when, you, when you say that, is this like walls and open ceiling? Like, it's what an does that look like? It's an outdoor maze. Um, okay. And they use the, the wooded element to their advantage for the themes like for a while it was lumber hack <laughs> so yeah. you can put that together what that was but yeah. yeah another new one this year was killarney diner which was in ireland and uh it, it was gross <laughs> to say that but that's what uh, that's what they were playing on and then nevermore which was Ooh. in um Ooh. curse of dark castles former show building and Q. and i gotta say that worked really well for I was going to say that's matched up so well. Yeah. And it, it's it Edgar Allan Poe yes. sort of thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so uh, that was a good one too. Then they had two mazes returning. Dystopia, which was in the uh, building beneath uh, Escape from Pompeii, and then Circo Sinistro, which was over by Roman Rapids and Festa Italia. So those were the five mazes they had this year. Uh, and Scare Zones... With this, I'm going to say a little bit more about it because they're scare zones. <laughs> they're not the mazes themselves. Yeah, usually it's the theming, loose theming and the music. Some lighting effects really ties it all together. Yeah. Some props maybe that might be positioned in different areas. Mm -hmm. uh, they had four of them 
Hext Hollow, which was over in the Rheinfeld hamlet of Germany, Meat Market, which was in New France, Garden of the Souls, which was in Italy, and then Ripper Row, which was in England. For Hext Hollow, that was a, a new one this year, along with Meat Market. Uh, Hext Hollow was sort of these uh, uh, monsters, villains. It was hard to say. They had cleavers, of course. I think everybody had cleavers, it felt like, <laughs> this year. It was a pretty yes. popular tool. Yeah, what's a, what's a scare event without cleavers and chainsaws? Yeah, and so they had those, and there'd be like a, a guy... Uh, stumbling through the area, just rolling around on the floor, screaming, and that's always a good time, too. <laughs> but that was Hexed Hollow. Meat Market. Uh, this, I mean, it's a meat market, but it, uh, it's a little scary, too. So you can put that together. Garden of the Souls, which was in Italy. Uh, it was sort of reminiscent of uh, Day of the Dead-style decor and makeup with that sort of thing, too. And then Ripper Row, uh, which was a, a territory returning from, I think they first began it in 2014 when I had last visited, and it was still there. And I got to say, Ripper Row was still probably my favorite scare zone there. And I said territory uh, because that's what they call the scare zones over in Williamsburg. Ripper, I love that name. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's so good. I mean, territory. It, it ties in exactly with... Mm-hmm. A monster Stomp, which is Monster Stomp on Ripper Row. Uh, Jack yeah. the Ripper is the host of that show. Uh, and then you go out and there are these um, constables roaming the streets saying, Where is Jack the Ripper? Have you seen him? <laughs> that sort of thing. And, and then there'd be uh, these women in fancy dresses um, snapping their large fans when they when they snap it open. It's a very, lar- a very loud sound. Oh, like sound. a hand fan. Yeah. Yeah. And so they'd be doing that and say, I love some stuff like that, too. And <laughs> and then there'd be, be the creepy people around, too, uh, with the, the contacts and everything, too, and say, yes, oh, you shouldn't be out here, man. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> and, uh, it's just a fun atmosphere. Like I would uh, come out of a, a drink stand and I'd be uh, scoping out the terrain before I plan my movement through the area and the constable would be strolling by and he would tip his hat to me on his <laughs> way beyond where else he was going but uh, it was a, a really fun territory there and I'm glad that it's back for this year uh, the opening of Monster Stomp on Ripper Row is only going to make that uh, territory even stronger and even better um, once uh, October comes around there's lots of different uh apparatuses that folks use for scaring the fans are making me think of this obviously the the chainsaw without a blade like that's a common one but you have uh, cans with coins or pebbles in them you know shaking when you run up to somebody Uh, some people will have gloves that they glue metal washers onto so they can click their fingers Uh, they might have solid metal on their fingers a washer in their palms (laughs) they click their fingers they can hit things it's a lot louder um i even you know no there's this monkey at an event I go to that has these loud cymbals, and he'll crash them behind you. Two full marching band cymbals. I'm I'm curious <laughs> if there was a scare that really got you, though. Was there one um, that just almost, you know, verbally you screamed? Or I don't know if you're... I can't remember if you scream or I laugh hysterically, you know. Well, in Hexed Hollow, uh, there was a, a big guy... And he ran right at me. I was like, whoa, there he is. Okay. Um, uh, But 
to that no end, sliders at this event no and sliding on their uh, knees and i don't know if williamsburg is really a place that can house sliders because of okay. the pavement there and how that is oh, <laughs> uh, it true. might be pretty rough on the pavement if they were to do something like that um, but if i were to take these scare zones and compare them to 2014 and the the earlier years that i had been to hollow scream um it is noticeably different um because at least yesterday, there were not a lot of very large thematic set pieces in and around the pathways. And I think there are a lot of reasons why that could be. Uh, it could be budget. It could be that it was the opening weekend that they didn't get everything placed yet. Um, it also could be that it is a conscious effort to keep the crowds moving, because that is something I will also say uh, yesterday. The crowds did get bigger as the night went on, but at no point did it get back to the point where people were just packed and not moving through the paths. So I wonder if maybe that was a, a role uh, leading to that choice where they specifically said we're not going to put big pallets and crates in the areas, in the pathways that will make people slower getting through them. But at the expense of that, it was tougher to set up the characters uh, uh, for the most part, except for Ripper Row, where they would jump down from columns and, and snap their fans. But uh, otherwise, it, pe the, the characters really did have to work to fall back into the crowd after they were found out or after they executed their scare. Um, so... Uh, it's a, a change, and I don't know if it's the times that they had to do it like this or um, if it is a temporary choice. I don't know. Um, but speaking of those fans with the, the, the would crack open loud when they'd throw them out, uh, they were selling those at the park, too. <laughs> so oh, people perfect. would just be buying <laughs> these fans. And people, everybody, it wasn't just people that might use a fan like that. Everybody was buying, and then they'd flick them open, and there'd be the... <laughs> The loud crack everywhere free, around free the park. Scare. Yeah, so uh, that is what they're looking out for, the the spooky element of Hollow Scream there. I think we uh, touched on most of those uh, events, too. Now, was there a, a wait time that you saw throughout the night where you were like, uh, I'm not waiting for that, or I'll come back later? Can you speak on that at all? Uh, it definitely got pretty busy. Um, I don't know if they we... advertised their their haunt wait time a lot of regional parks it seems like they don't um they had the infrastructure to do so like okay. with uh nevermore which already has a proper queue for right. uh the former dark castle location uh, they could get a i think a pretty good estimate of the wait time there that got to be i think over an hour at some points too is a oh, wait time wow. so it was good that I did that one early on because Nevermore uh, definitely got a, a big line as time went by, too. Um, and do they sell skip-the-line passes at this park? Of course they do, DJ. Okay. Of course. I, I, I assume they did, <laughs> yeah. um, but I was just checking. If there's a buck to be made, they're going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> what other notes did you have from the night? I mean, were rides running well? Did you ride a lot, or was this... I know you're there all day. Mm-hmm. Um, like I like it got busy in the evening, but before that, the rides weren't too bad. Like I think Finnegan's Flyer at night in Ireland, which is already a sort of a party headquarters for right, the, the event, hunt. 
that got to have a 55 minute wait for okay. for that ride. So I wasn't going to ride that right then. Um, yeah. But they have a lot of high capacity roller coasters at Busch Gardens too. So uh, throughout the day, they were pretty good with getting those trains moving and, and getting people through the lines. Awesome. So I just had a couple of other notes that I had uh, written down about observations from my visit yesterday. Drock and Fire. Do you know what Drock and Fire was, DJ? Um, I do know what it is, but I will expound for the dear listeners out there. Uh, this is a ride that no longer exists at Busch Gardens Williamsburg. This was aerodynamics, aero developments, kind of shot at making a more we'll say modern coaster in the time in the mid nineties competing with Kumba, which was built at Busch Gardens, Tampa, uh, this smooth multi-looper. And it's really one of the few aero coasters that had tubular supports rather than the scaffolding supports. And instead of having a small loop at a very tall height, they would have this massive loop. It just makes more sense. It's more of what you would see as a roller coaster these days. And it's a theory I have of why, Gen X and before, at least in my family, they don't get on roller coasters because in their mind they think of something like Loch Ness Monster with scaffolding structure and that just freaks them out more. I don't know why. Huh. Well, Drakenfire had been gone for more than 20 years now. Um, and for a while they had been using the station itself as a maze building for them to uh, use uh, during Hollow Scream. I think a lot of parks do that. Did they not do that this year? They did not. For whatever reason, the Drakenfire maze was not existent this year. I mean, Witch of the Woods is very close to that. Uh, Like you you would pass by Drakenfire's station building to get to Witch of the Woods over in the woods, of course. Um, But not this year. They only had those five mazes. And I was taking a little peek, craning my neck, seeing what I could see over in the the Drakenfire station. It's storage right now. So the the lights were on in there. They still have the the screens over the windows and everything in that station. Um, But I wonder why that is. I mean, was this budget? Was this because there's going to be something going on that they needed the Drakenfire station to be vacated from a maze? I don't know. I mean, we hear rumors here and there about what the park might be looking at for the future. Not necessarily sure if that plays into why there wasn't a maze in Drocker Fire Station, but it's just something interesting to think about. It definitely sounds like to me that something was going to happen in there because it seems like it would be not a budget move to have a house or maze in this case so close to an already existing structure. I know these regional parks and how they use these these either vacant ride buildings or vacant queue buildings, and that doesn't make any sense to me. Why wouldn't you use a building that already exists? Take Dark Castle, for example. Yeah, yeah. So maybe in the coming months we may have an answer to this about why they did not use this space for Hollow, Hollow Scream, uh, but we'll have to wait and see. Can I offer an anecdote here? And this is, okay. would be going back to Worlds of Fun. Sure. But, you know, I know where you're going. Maybe go ahead. <laughs> this, is my home, this is my home park. Okay. So when I would go to Han events, you know, they still to this day, um, they use the old Orient Express roller coaster um, station and queue um, as its own standalone house. They use the old Zam, um, Zambezi Zinger um, queue and building as part of a massive house. 
Um, but I can rem- I was trying to you know think of had Worlds of Fun done something similar, and I can remember when they did something similar. Um, for years, there was a house located behind the Zulu. I say house; it was an outdoor maze. Um, it was called Camp Gonna Get You with a Hatchet. And in 2008, when I went to the park to go through that at Haunt, it had moved. They moved camp all the way up behind Fury of the Nile in the whole new area. And I thought, why? This is like the perfect wooded area for this. Why are they moving it to a place that honestly isn't nearly as secluded and out in the middle of nowhere in this park? Why are they moving it to a place that, yeah, there's trees, but also there's rides around you? In 2009, Prowler opened. Um, That was... That was exactly why, because they didn't want anybody back there. They didn't want anyone to be thinking, oh, I see some construction going on. So as you know, that's an anecdote of mine and something I'm bringing to you. But that sounds very similar, although not a building in this case. This was an area that then became Prowler. Yeah, I mean, we know what's happening for Busch Gardens Williamsburg in 2022. It's going to be Pantheon. They finally have announced that March of 22, they are going to be opening that roller coaster. I got a a lot of good pictures of it, um, taking the train around and walking through Festa Italia, trying to crane my neck over the the fence and get a look at it. It looks good. (laughs) I wish it would open, but here we go. March of 2022. (laughs) <laughs> it's going to be a, a pretty good time. but uh, It seems, you know, similar to me. So, you know, we'll see. But it's an interesting observation you made. And you had some other notes as well, I think. Yeah, I'll just have one more thing uh, before we close up. Uh, just a, an amusing photograph that I took. <laughs> it was actually in the waters underneath uh, the Loch Ness Monster. Mm, um, okay. I'm trying to find words to describe it. Sort of like a... A watery grave for hat and headwear, um, maybe a reverse <laughs> aquatic haberdashery, or uh, literally, uh, DJ, no cap. That's what the I kids are that. saying this year, no this cap. This is like loose article paradise. Uh, well, paradise or Island of, Misfits, Island of Misfit yeah. Toys, I don't know exactly, but underneath the, the second loop of Loch Ness Monster, there is a, a shallow area of water, and... It is just well populated with so many hats of, I don't know how long uh, it's been since they maybe cleared it out or addressed it, whatever, but there are so many hats down there that are just <laughs> down there in the shallows covered with algae. Oh my. <laughs> uh, it's a testament, a warning saying, please secure your loose articles. Do not wear a hat on a roller coaster. Oh, a lesson that I have learned the hard way. But yeah, yeah, I, I don't, I don't mess with loose articles on rides. I just, I just don't. Yeah, secure them, firmly grasp it in your hand if you have to. But and if not for losing it, do it for the safety of people riding with you too. Exactly, it's a, a big thing too. So uh, probably some point on this week, I'm going to post a lot of photographs from my visit, including a picture of that watery reverse aquatic haberdashery. I think that's the, hey. the best phrase that we're working with right now uh, of that. So look out on those for the socials. Uh, we will have some fun with that too. Excellent. Excellent. So that was your trip report at Bush Gardens. Hallow Scream this year. Your first time back in really seven years. It sounds like you had an excellent time. Um, I wish we could have all been there with you. Uh, me and all of the dear listeners, but I'm sure we will live vicariously through your photos. And 
Hopefully you too, dear listener, if you're listening to us and you're close to the park, you'll make a trip out there as well. Well, as we close up, we've had a pretty good corkscrew conversation and discussing my visit yesterday, but there are a lot of different ways that the listeners can have a corkscrew conversation with us. My goodness, there are. Uh, whether it be email at corkscrewconvos at gmail.com or whether it's on any of the social platforms. If it's a major social platform, you bet you we're there. Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, Instagram. Now, I will say we're not on Facebook as much as, as we used to be or even YouTube as I much. I just uh, posted a photo to Facebook today. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, it's just not as, uh, you know moving as some of our other platforms let's say but we do have a fairly good presence on a lot of these socials and really it's all to have a course through conversation with you as chris said so be sure to reach out to us there whether it be a comment on something whether it's a direct reach out um, but also be sure to tune in every thursday uh 7 30 eastern time we are live on twitch and we usually stream for two hours at least we try to get some good content but really it's much more organic than this um, it's not edited at all. That's impossible to do because it's purely live. Um, and so we have a great time on there. We've talked about a variety of things. And if we're not talking about something spe- exclusively on Twitch, you might even see us record an entire podcast episode and you can join in on the fun there seeing the behind the scenes. Yeah, it's a really good time. Like you said, it's a lot looser sometimes, too, where we indulge our tangents even more than we do during a regular podcast recording. It's tangent heavy. I mean, it's like we'll spend 20 minutes talking about nothing and then we'll jump into our first piece of news or our first topic. Yeah, I think on our last stream, we spent about 30 minutes discussing Forrest Gump. (laughs) So it's (laughs) that sort of thing. Yeah, we did. And how we both have seen it for the first time within the past five years. But that is Twitch. That is something you need to check out. Um, But what's very important as well, though, um, we are on our way to getting 25-star reviews on Apple. If you, dear listener, have not done so, please consider doing that for us. Not only is it free, it is literally the best way you can help the podcast. If you like the content we're making, if you enjoy what you're hearing from the podcast, please be sure to do that. And you'll want to do that because we have a very important giveaway coming up for when we hit that 20th five-star review. Once we reach that, I will release my personal chili recipe that I have been working on for years now. Uh, There are a lot of interesting ingredients. We've talked about it briefly on the show, uh, and I can't wait to share it with the world. So once we reach that mark, it will hit the interwebs, and uh, I hope to see maybe photographs of other people cooking my chili that will then become their chili. And Chris conceded a little bit. He did say if we can get 20 follows on Twitch, that would also be criteria for releasing this. And was it in our last podcast, or maybe it was a Twitch stream, you also mentioned there's a second recipe that might be published. Yeah, I might be working on another chili recipe with a a different spice profile. So who knows? If we wait long enough, I might put both chili recipes out there into the giveaway to sweeten the pot, literally. Well, that'll be much appreciated by by the listeners. And of course, you know, if you are hearing this end of show business and you haven't turned the podcast off, or maybe it's your first time listening, or maybe you're a veteran listener, um, we do think you're super. But also consider following the podcast wherever platform you're listening on, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, um, through Anchor itself, wherever you might be listening to us. 
consider hitting the follow button too, because it's not pressure to listen, but when you listen to a lot of podcasts, especially like I do, um, I like to have a nice cue going so that I don't have to go back and find what's next. Everything's just ready to go. Exactly. It's a great way to stay in touch, stay up to date with the show. But until next time, my name is Chris. And my name is DJ. And this has been another Corkscrew Convo. Thanks for listening.